I can hardly believe it, but today is Easter Sunday 2021. You know, in a lot of ways, this past year has been very strange and difficult. Whether it's been COVID or racial tensions and divisions or politics, this has been a very different year than what most of us have experienced in our lifetime. I know that last Easter, April 2021, uh, 2020, in, instead of being able to gather together at church and hang out with our families, we were confined to our homes. We were watching services online. This year, 2021, things have started to open up a little bit more, but there is still this sense that things aren't the same. And on top of that, there has been this heaviness that a lot of the fun activities that we used to participate in, the family gatherings that were normal, uh, things that we were a part of our lives, we have wrestled with these difficult issues, overwhelming feelings of confusion, uh, this sense of chaos that's in our world today and in our lives personally. I think about how many of us have looked forward to things like graduation parties and participating in sporting events or going on family vacations, wedding plans. And so many of those things have just been turned upside down, drastically changed, and in some cases, absolutely abandoned. In some ways, life has seemed very chaotic, totally upended. And maybe you're even here today and you feel like this just doesn't uh, even feel like Easter. I, I mean, it it's so very different than all of the Easter's that I remember over my lifetime or, or just a couple of years ago. But as we think back on this past year, all the different things that we have gone through, uh, things that have gone on, maybe what we're experiencing now is more like what was experienced the first Easter than any other time in our lives. I mean, that first Easter Sunday morning was on the heels of the devastating crucifixion of Jesus. And for the disciples, I mean, you talk about heaviness. I don't think that things could have been much heavier. The scriptures tell us that that Easter Sunday morning when the disciples woke up, they were huddled together in a room. They were afraid of going outside. Because they thought that if they went outside, they would be arrested and they would be killed just like Jesus was. And after they had traveled with Jesus for three years, all of their hopes, all of their plans had been abandoned. And so it's possible that this season of life that we've been in over this past year might bring us in contact with the feelings and emotions of that first Easter more than any other time in our lives that we've experienced. Now, already, I know that some of you are thinking this. You're saying, Jason, yeah, but what about the empty tomb? And their sorrow was turned to joy. Well, we have a picture that we're going to put up on the screen here. But I want you to just think for a moment about the empty tomb. When the women first went to the tomb, they found Jesus' body was gone. And it didn't lead to immediate joy. It was, it just intensified this level of confusion that they already were feeling. Listen, they did not see the resurrection coming. Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' close friends, goes to the tomb early on in the morning. She sees his body is missing and she is, has this absolute meltdown. She is weeping. She is sobbing. Jesus is standing near her and he says, woman, why are you crying? Mary turns to him and her response in John chapter 20 and verse 15 is this. Sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary, and Jesus' dear friend, Mary Magdalene, did not see the resurrection coming. She did not see Jesus being fully alive after being fully dead. Maybe you say, well, I mean, makes sense. I mean, Mary Magdalene uh, didn't see this coming because, after all, she probably hadn't slept in a couple of days. Uh, She is emotionally distraught. She is probably in shock. But the disciples, I mean, the guys who had traveled with Jesus for three years, certainly they saw this coming, right? Women go running from the empty tomb. They go and find the disciples locked behind a closed door in a house. And this is what happens with the disciples. Luke chapter 24 and verses 10 and 11, we read this. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The disciples didn't see this coming. In fact, I believe that there's only one person among Jesus' disciples who actually saw this coming. So who was it? Was it someone who was a part of his inner circle? Was it someone like Peter? Well, Peter runs to the tomb. He looks inside. He sees that it's empty. In fact, here is what we read in Luke chapter 24 and verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. You see, Mary Magdalene didn't see this coming. The disciples didn't see this coming. Even the inner circle disciples, people like Peter, didn't see this coming. So who was the one person who actually saw this coming? Well, the answer is Jesus saw this coming. Jesus saw this coming. I want you to see something that that, uh, one of the angels says to the women who were there at the tomb that morning. This is Luke chapter 24 again, in verses 5 through 7, it says this. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? You see, Jesus had talked about this coming crucifixion. Jesus had talked about his coming resurrection. The disciples could not even imagine this, that their Messiah, King, would be killed. And in this moment, they could not figure out how to deal with the fact that he had been crucified and now had been resurrected from the dead. But this angel says, remember how he told you that these things were going to happen? Jesus saw this coming, which is a very powerful thing. There's a a painting by an artist, uh, an Italian artist named Caravaggio that I just love, and we're going to put it up on the screen here this morning. But this picture shows Jesus, and he's there with the two of his disciples after his resurrection, and there is this server there who is in the background. But the disciples here are called the Emmaus Disciples. 
And I want you to just imagine this once, because Jesus rises from the dead. He's dead, and now he's alive, but he's not just floating around. It's not just imagination. It's not just a dream that they had. No, Jesus is there. He is with them in the flesh. And what's interesting to me is that he actually is eating with them. This isn't the only occasion that Jesus ate with people after the resurrection. There are actually at least two other uh, recorded times where Jesus uh, sat down and ate a meal with people in the scriptures. But my point is that Jesus is fully alive. He was fully dead and now he was fully alive, fully restored, fully renewed. Jesus saw this coming. Jesus was carrying his cross to the place where he would be killed. Jesus saw this coming. What this means is that Jesus knew what was about to happen and how it would include pain, but it would not end in pain. Jesus saw this coming. He knew that it would include abandonment, but it would end in reunion. It would include intense agony, but it would end in intense joy. It would include death. But it would end in life. You think, okay, so Jesus saw his resurrection coming. But what in the world does that really have to do with me today? What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with with all of the things that have happened over this past year that have left us a little bit worried and maybe even a, a bit overwhelmed when we think about what the coming months might be like? Well, what does the fact that Jesus saw his resurrection coming have to do with people who, who feel like their lives are on hold, with people who have this sense of deep sadness, and with others who feel totally overwhelmed? Well, I want us to talk a little bit about that here this morning. Shortly after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, the story of a once dead and now alive Savior would begin to spread throughout the major cities of the Roman Empire. In fact, we have a map so that you can kind of picture that here this morning. But the gospel would spread to places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth. Now, I I discovered something recently that I don't think I've ever seen or ever noticed really before. And and it's this, that the letters that were written to these churches, the Philippians, uh, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, when those letters were written to these early believers, the resurrection of Jesus is mentioned again and again and again. But this is what I, I hadn't noticed before. Almost every single time that the resurrection of Jesus is mentioned, it is linked to the resurrection of the believer. Almost every single time that the story looks back and recalls how Jesus was dead and then came back to life, there's also this connection to the story that looks forward to the end of time. Where believers in Jesus uh, who have been forgiven because of his crucifixion are also going to be uh, given new life because of his resurrection. And as believers in Jesus look forward to that ultimate reality, it, it also impacts how we live right now. That we are fully alive right now, even when life seems to be on hold, and even when there seems to be great sadness around us, and even when the circumstances of life seem totally overwhelming. So fascinating to me that so often in these New Testament letters, when the resurrection of Jesus is mentioned, it is also linked with our resurrection. 
want you to just see this for yourself. And so let's travel, if you will, to Philippi. And I want to talk a bit about what it looks like to be on hold. What it looks like to be on hold. When Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was under house arrest. He, he was waiting a trial that was coming sometime in the future, but he didn't really know when that was going to be. And so his entire life was on hold. Under house arrest, he was not able to travel. He was not able to visit with the churches and encourage them. Paul's whole life was on hold when he writes this letter to the Philippian believers. Now, maybe you have experienced this recently where you make a call to a certain company and uh, there comes a recording on the phone when you call. And they say something like this, we're sorry, but our operators are assisting other customers. Your call is important to us. Please stay on the line. We will be with you when our earliest representative is available. This call may be monitored, uh, recorded for quality purposes. And then you wait and you wait and you wait. But how long do you wait? Well, maybe it's 30 seconds. Maybe it's three minutes. Maybe it's 30 minutes. Maybe you can take your phone and, and you go while you're waiting to do, do some other things. And maybe you go down to the basement. You grab a few things that you needed back down there. Or maybe you go out and you run a marathon while you're waiting. Or maybe you take your phone and you set it down on the table and while you're waiting you have enough time to write a couple of emails or maybe you have enough time to write a, a novel. And as you're waiting there is this beautiful music that's playing and in the background uh, occasionally there will be this interruption of another recording that says this, your call is important to us. We're sorry our operators are meeting with other customers right now. In your mind you have the, your imagination goes to this call center where it's absolutely packed with a group of operators who are eager to take, take care of your problem, which may be true, but it may not be true. And, and maybe you even say, well, uh, you know, all these operators are busy right now. And, and what they mean when they say that, they're talking about Phil. And Phil is in this back break room and he's taking a break. He's trying to heat up his microwave pizza. He's reading his comic books and Phil is in no hurry to handle your problem or any of the other 137 people and their problems who are in front of you. Have you ever been on hold? I wonder how many of you feel like life is on hold for you right now. Maybe you're on hold waiting for that graduation. Is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Maybe you're waiting to see if you're going to be able to go on that vacation. Or maybe you have this trip of a lifetime that you have planned and right now it's on hold. Maybe you've been thinking about taking another job and you've gone through a couple of interviews. You've talked about the benefit package and the pay and... You, you know, though, that there are a lot of companies that are struggling right now, and there's still this hesitancy from a lot of people to, to hire new people right now. And so that job transition is kind of on hold right now. For the Apostle Paul, his whole life was on hold while he was under house arrest when he was writing to these Philippian believers. But here is what he does. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And not only does he talk about the resurrection of Jesus, that he was dead and now he is alive, but he links the resurrection of Jesus to our own resurrection, the resurrection of the Philippians in the future. 
Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul says that one day our bodies will be like Jesus' glorious resurrected body, fully alive, fully restored, fully renewed. Friends, this is our hope. There's going to come a day when our lowly, fragile, broken, aging, discouraged bodies will be transformed so that they will be like His glorious, resurrected body. And we will see, we see here this connection between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the believer. Listen, I think it is important for us to see this coming. Jesus saw His resurrection coming and it gave Him patience, it gave Him courage as He carried His cross. And I think that it helps us to see our resurrection coming. That we know that there is coming a day when we will experience a total resurrection. A complete renewal. We will be fully alive. And the knowledge of that day empowers us. It emboldens us to live more fully for the Lord right now. Knowing that one day we'll be fully alive helps us to live more fully right now. And so... When we see our resurrection coming, it helps us to respond with patience and courage in times when we find ourselves on hold. But but travel with me, if you will, just a little bit to the west of Philippi, to a town called Thessalonica. It's about 100 miles away. The Thessalonian believers are experiencing something much deeper, much more tragic, and heavier than just being simply on hold. They are experiencing a deep Sadness, a deep sadness. Paul uh, travels to Thessalonica. He establishes a local church there. And then he leaves Thessalonica. After he leaves, he, he gets word that many of the Christians there in that city had died. They had passed away. And so in First Thessalonians, he talks about experiencing deep loss. You see, when we lose someone who's close to us, it's often in those moments that we reflect on the world that is to come. It's not when everything is going well, but in the moments when hospice is called for that loved one, or when we find ourselves walking through a parking lot of a funeral home to stand with a friend, or when we show up at a church and we're sitting just a few rows behind the grieving family. When we stand at a cemetery and we say goodbye for the last time. Those moments are when we are more likely than than not to reflect on the world that's to come. Well, Paul is writing to this group of believers in Thessalonica and some of their friends had passed away. Immediately, he talks about them, not simply uh, to them, uh, not simply about the, the resurrection of Jesus, but he talks with them about their own resurrection when they will be reunited with their family and their friends and when they will be fully alive, fully renewed, fully restored. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have, and notice what he says here, fallen asleep. Paul is talking about their friends who have passed away, and he says, listen, they've fallen asleep, but there is coming a day at the end of time when our Lord will awaken those who are his, those who have fallen asleep in him. 
But again, notice the link. Notice the connection between the fact that they were that Jesus was fully dead and now fully alive, and the fact that the believer was fully dead and is going to be fully alive again one day at the resurrection at the end of time. That Jesus died and came back to life. And so we believe that one day God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And and the time when our heart might be drawn to that more than any other are those times when we actually have to think about the passing or the potential passing of someone that we love so dearly. There's coming a day when those who are in Christ will experience a glorious resurrection. But I'm afraid that too often we have a very low view of what the future and what heaven is going to be like. I'm concerned that many of us have this view that after death, uh, it's going to be boring. That life after death, that that, that life in heaven is going to be uninteresting. We, We have a cartoon picture of this. And this is what I think a lot of people picture when they think of heaven. But, but it's just kind of bland, nothing to do. People sitting on these clouds with wings on their backs. Occasionally, maybe somebody will pick up a harp and start playing. Now, I, I don't know about you, but this does not seem very enticing to me. This does not seem like something that draws my heart in. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I actually preached a sermon, a Easter Sunday sermon, about the world that we experience now. And listen, the world that we experience now, it is a beautiful, beautiful place in many ways. But it's broken. But the world that we live in, it has these gorgeous lakes. It has amazing trees. It has scenic hiking paths, elegant sunrises and sunsets, transcendent spring days where we can go outside and and plant things in the garden. And my question is this, why would our vision of the future be more pathetic than the creation that, that, that is around us right now. Friends, God has in store for us a renewed and restored creation. We will be in the presence of our resurrected Lord on a resurrected planet, in a resurrected body, and those are things that we need to reflect on more often. Because knowing that we will be fully alive then helps us to live be fully alive right now and to be patient and courageous in the present circumstances that we are faced with. Knowing that we will be fully alive then helps us to experience the fullness of life right now. And so we're seeing here that in these letters that were written to these early Christians, the early churches, Jesus' resurrection is almost always linked to our resurrection. He saw his resurrection coming, and we should see our resurrection coming as well. And this can be helpful when we find ourselves on hold. It can be helpful when we find ourselves in deep sadness because of a loss. But in order to just kind of seal this in our minds, in order to seal this in our hearts, I want us to go to one more place and one more challenge. Knowing about the resurrection and that is coming, it can help to sustain us when we feel totally overwhelmed. When we feel totally overwhelmed. The third location is in Corinth. And 
In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian believers there. He talks about his own circumstances. And in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he basically says this. Listen, um, I want you to know about the extreme situations that we have been under here. That, that we have been crushed. We, 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 were, we were overwhelmed. Now... Even as I say that word overwhelmed, you can imagine this heavy burden on your back. You can feel it just pressing down on you. The the weight is so heavy that you can't even carry it. And the Apostle Paul said that he experienced that. And, And I just wonder how many people here this morning, how many people who are listening online are feeling overwhelmed by what has happened over the past number of months. Often, it is not because we are overwhelmed by one thing. Often, we are overwhelmed because it's just one thing after another after another. It's not that one individual thing, but it is this collection, all of them combined, that just feels so overwhelming and so weighty. Maybe over the last several months, you have experienced relational distance between people who you used to hang out with all the time. You've been confined to your house and a lot more, and you just crave that physical attention, that physically being around other people more. Or maybe on top of that, you've experienced these financial concerns. Am I going to have a job? I mean, what's going to happen with the economy? How's this all going to shake out? And, and am I going to be able to continue to live where I'm at right now? Maybe as well, you've experienced a disappointment in a friendship. That, that things were said and thing, those things hurt and suddenly you find yourself being weighed down and, and maybe you find yourself not just not feeling very well physically speaking and something is wrong that should be right. This is where Paul is when he is writing to these Corinthian believers and, and he says, you know what, I just need you to know what's, be, what's going on with us. That we are crushed and we are overwhelmed. And, and this is not a situation where you can just suck it up and get over it, get through it. In fact, I, I want you to see what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Just a few chapters later, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there's another link between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the believer. Here is what Paul says there in verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Paul says, this is our hope right here. We know that he who raised Jesus back to life is also going to raise us along with Jesus. Fully renewed, fully restored, fully alive. And from Paul's perspective, knowing that he would be fully alive then helped him to be fully alive right now. In fact, right after this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, You know those things that made us feel so crushed and overwhelmed? Well, in light of the resurrection, those are light and momentary troubles. Here's how he says it in chapter 4 and verse 17. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Jesus saw his resurrection coming. As he carried his cross, Jesus knew that abandonment would be replaced by reunion. That extreme pain would be replaced by extreme joy. That ridicule would be replaced by honor. That death would be replaced by life. Jesus saw his resurrection coming. And my challenge to you is this this morning. See your resurrection coming. Knowing that there will be a day when every believer who will be fully, will be fully restored, fully renewed, fully alive, will help you when you feel like life is on hold. When you go through a season where you're experiencing deep sadness or when you feel totally overwhelmed. We have to wrap our minds around the fact that what God has predicted and promised here in this word is our ultimate hope. Now, we have an immediate hope. We have an immediate hope that soon we will be get back, getting back to doing those things that we're used to being able to do. Listen, I hope, and and I would love for that to happen as well. I hope that we will be able to go on that vacation that you had to put on hold last year. I, I, I hope that those of you who are graduating this year will be able to have celebrations and ceremonies. I hope that those finances that have taken a bit of a hit will be able to recover. But But just remember something here with me. The way things were back in 2019 or the way they were back in at the beginning months of 2020, that was broken as well. I mean, those, there were still strained relationships back then. There were still stressful work environments. There were still complex health crises that were going on then too. Friends, what I am saying here is that often we say, you know what, I just want things to go back to normal. But... Normal may just be exchanging one set of stresses for another here in this life. The hope of the resurrection, it promises so much more than that. The hope of the resurrection promises a day when God will make all the broken things right. And this promise comes from the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a prototype for resurrection. Jesus would say this, Revelation chapter 21, he says, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. The challenge for us today is to see it coming. To see it coming. See it coming. Because knowing that we will be fully alive in the future will lead you to being fully alive right now. Knowing that you will be fully alive then, will empower you, will encourage you to be patient and to be fully alive right now. And so it is my prayer that our gracious Lord God will bless you this Easter Sunday, that you will remember what he accomplished in his death and resurrection, and that you will know whose you are, that you will be able to see where it is that you're going. Let's pray.